Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. It's it's with uh with uh, with a heavy heart that uh, I have to say I am on the fence <laughs> about about uh, supporting uh, Terry uh, twenty twenty. Uh, we can talk about it. Welcome to the first ever episode of Keep Waco Loud, the podcast. This podcast is produced by Oni Chan Productions and Rogue Media. And we are sponsored in part by The Shop, located at 2001 Franklin Avenue near downtown Waco. If you are looking for office space, warehouse space, or just want to hang out with the guys from Waco Axe Company, this is going to be the place to be. In fact, that's where we're at right now. So our recording studio is right here at The Shop. And I have to admit, it's pretty fantastic you know i like the name the shop because i think everything else generic was taken i you know i think you might be right <laughs> it's my favorite the, the the yard was too close to the backyard sure uh the warehouse i think is already taken the warehouse is I definitely believe taken in waco yeah. yes so you had a choice of of two places the place or the shop <laughs> I like the shop. I think they did a good thing. I'm I'm good. I'm pretty surprised they didn't just like combine them. You know, like the shop place. The shop place. Places at the shop. Come see us at the shop place. Mm. We've oh, got that, all your you know, stuff. That place. Yeah, that <laughs> that place. <laughs> The shop. The located shop is a fantastic place. Located at 2001 Franklin Avenue. Ooh, that's a sexy voice. Yeah, we've got office space here, and we've got a walk-in safe, which I'm very excited about. What's the combination? Four. <laughs> just what? four. That's all it is. It's just four. It's the yeah. safe word. We, it's just safe. Yeah. Just shop, just safe. Zero, we'll keep zero, it simple zero, here zero. at the shop. If you, if Much you ever, like our name. If you ever see me at Crunch Fitness, I promise you the combination to my locker is zero, 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 zero. I will never see you at Crunch Fitness. <laughs> I can promise you that. <laughs> this, is, this is a solemn promise this I'm going to make to you. You're too focused on your workout. I didn't know where that F was going, but we're yeah. Just, we're just <laughs> keeping you too busy, Mike. <laughs> it's, it, is a, it is a busy life, knowing uh, you two. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, here today, um, this is the first ever episode. We're really excited. Producer Mike over here has been here tireless hours, as have we, but I feel like you've been working a little bit harder. <laughs> but, a little bit's a no, understatement. We have put in a lot of hours, but I think it's all going to pay off. Not monetarily. We, no, 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 no. Nobody's expecting any money out of this. But we have met, honestly, some fascinating people. Absolutely. I, I will say for myself that I have met some folks I didn't ever think I would meet in Waco. Brewers, comedians, people in charge of art, I guess. The president <laughs> the of president Waco. The president of Waco. In, in charge of art. <laughs> in charge of art, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what our business card says. I am in charge of art. I'm Fiona Bond. I'm in charge of art. That's pretty impressive. So she does actually. it with a British accent. That's a, that's a great podcast name. In charge of art. Ooh. Yeah, maybe not. We 
have uh, myself and Jacob here with Keep Wake Go Loud. Hey there. <laughs> we have Travis, who is also part of Keep Wake Go Loud. I would say he's the classy part of Keep Wake Go Loud. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, listen. There's got to be one classy broad in this operation. <laughs> you know, you're not wearing a bow tie, but I feel like listening to your voice, you can might assume you're wearing one. Voice is a bow tie. You know, yeah. I wasn't yeah. going to say Ooh, that I wasn't wearing a bow tie, tie, but thank you for yeah. just go ahead and taking that away from me. So uh, I was going to say, like, in these headphones, his voice is very velvety. Oh, <laughs> so, so smooth. Talk us to sleep. There he is in his smoking jacket. And I feel like he should be go. doing midnight radio. <laughs> well, welcome to Keep Wake Loud, the podcast. Now say that again in your voice. <laughs> Welcome to Keep Wake Loud, the podcast. Woo! <laughs> Intro. <laughs> Giving Terry chill bumps. <laughs> I got a little moist. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, God. I hate Welcome that word. to Keep Wake Loud after hours. Oh, spinoff podcast bonus oh. episode. Um, we also have Mr. Terry Blues. Uh, if you would like to introduce yourself. How you guys doing? It's your man, Terry Blues, AKA the entertainment commissioner, AKA your baby mama's favorite comic. We in here with Keep Waco Loud. I love you guys. Uh, Jacob and Katie have been working with you guys since I moved back to Waco. You know, fellow podcaster, comedian, filmmaker, and educator, uh, book me. Uh, I need the money. So <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad you slipped into our DMs, Terry. <laughs> no, I did. I did legitimately slide into their DMs. That's how we met. Real. Uh, no, that really happened. I slid into their DMs, and it's been love ever since. <laughs> Talking about eggplants and peach emojis. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Um, we also have the lovely Fiona Bond. Hello. I, I really can't follow Terry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Fiona Bond. I'm executive director of Creative Waco, um, which is the Arts Council for Waco and McLennan County. Uh, we've been in existence for about four and a half years as an organization, and we exist to grow the arts in Waco. We we describe ourselves as a root and branch organization. We kind of do all of the cultivating to create good fruit in the arts in this community. That's sometimes spreading manure, and that's sometimes doing pruning, but more often it's kind of like bringing bringing the resources and the nutrients to create great art in this community. And that's all art forms, I should say too. Not just visual art, we work with performers, we work with people in the for-profit and non-profit sector, the whole caboodle. The title of this podcast is gonna be The Art of Comedy. And so what I really want to do is kind of discuss about how comedy itself is an art form and how they lend themselves to each other. Why do you think that art and comedy are important to the Waco community? Well, you're making a big assumption there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know that, you know, when it, whenever we're involved in doing anything artistic, it brings people together who would not normally gather in the same time and the same space, other than maybe confrontationally or, you know, it brings real people together in time and space. And that connects us. And, um, and I would say that, you know, pushing further, comedy helps us to talk about things that we find difficult to talk about in a way that we can engage with. If we don't, if we don't laugh, we cry, right? <laughs> Very good. No, no, absolutely. Uh, and to, exactly to your sentiment about, um, you know, the whole uh, idea of comedians like being really sad people on the inside, trying to find a way to process it. Like the whole idea of tears of a clown. When I first got into doing comedy, I 
what got me into comedy, I was making films and I wanted to write a comedy film and I bought a, a bunch of comedy books. And one of which was like, uh, it was a quote in there of like, comedy is tragedy that happens to your mother-in-law. But essentially it's like, uh, you know, you find the funny in tragedy and it's even a lot of funny things happen to people. Like you would find funny somebody that you don't necessarily like. But, um, <laughs> or, or there, but for the grace of God, you I are, love my right? mother-in-law. Say that. But essentially, like, yeah, like you know, in that sentiment of you know, if we don't laugh, we cry. But also, you know, the social commentary behind it. I think we talked about this before about like comedy sort of being one of the the last like most freest art forms as far as in the aspect of, of you know not being as censored even though I do think we're kind of getting to a point where we're trying mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. censor it a little bit too much but it's you know draws a question of where's the line I yeah. think it's a, it's really cool to see how comedy if, if you look at like comedy from like the 60s 70s 80s you you sometimes watch them think about like what was that uh, TV show with Archie Bunker oh, uh, uh, oh all in the family all in the family hey I'm from a whole other country that doesn't even have that program <laughs> I know it because my husband love that <laughs> <laughs> so like all in the family if you watch it now and i remember watching it on tv land growing up and it didn't really register with me but if you watch it now you're like wow you <clears throat> could not say that stuff on tv now but what i think it lended itself to is it showed archie bunker was this very close-minded uh individual but it was almost trying to show how ridiculous his mm -hmm. viewpoints were like, mm -hmm. like a parody of uh, mm -hmm. that and that was that was a very realistic mentality back in the day mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it showed and i remember there's this one episode where archie bunker got a blood transfusion because he almost died oh i remember that episode. yeah he got a blood transfusion was it and from he, a transgender it, no it, it was, was from, from, a, a, from a black person from a black, from a black woman yeah. it was a black woman and he somehow ended up in a kkk meeting <laughs> and he felt really uncomfortable he had this moment this like revelation like this is wrong because <laughs> our blood is the same <laughs> and, right? goes, yes. and he walks out of the meeting going i'm a black man <laughs> and, <he> walks out. <laughs> and it's like wow this is really awkward but it, it pushed the boundaries yeah. and i think comedy helps us start to yeah. kind of make those edges well, a little softer well art in general is supposed to do that right it's supposed to it's supposed to push the boundaries like i had a, mm -hmm. a poetry teacher in, in college uh uh, when I took poetry class and he was like, well, what's poetry? If you're just writing for yourself, then it's not that. But it has to speak mm -hmm. to something higher than just what you're going through. If it mm -hmm. speaks to something that's based in society, then that makes it the art form of poetry. It allows us, I think art in any form yeah. allows us to take an idea to an extreme and comedy especially you know you can take the stereotype to the nth degree and unless we hold that mirror up to ourselves we don't see it we take ourselves far too seriously Absolutely. and any art form can yeah. do that i think there was something really important in what you were saying there that if we do it for ourselves it becomes um i don't know uh narcissistic but if mm. we do it for others i think art in all forms is inherently generous mm. and invitational and and comedy has to be that because if you don't get the laugh, well, you're going to look pretty interesting. <laughs> just a guy up there telling you. Yeah, I've not things. gotten laughs. And I tell you what, man, I laugh for myself just to give me a pity laugh. Like, uh. <laughs> but it's vulnerable, right? We make ourselves vulnerable when we create. And I think the benefit of that vulnerability is it makes comedy is sort of the 
easiest to digest form of yeah, art. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, so absolutely. It's you know on on par with all of the other uh, so so many different art forms. But you know sometimes a painting or a sculpture or a song are are difficult to interpret. You know what the meaning was or you know what the artist's intent was. But when it comes to comedy, it is often it's a lot easier to understand you know, where this was meant to land. Absolutely, it's like it, the sugar on the medicine. Exactly, right? the, 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 much. putting the medicine in the candy, and 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 that, you're absolutely right. What it does is places a mirror on society, right? Even if you find something to be like an, an offensive statement, you laugh because you understand where it came mm-hmm. from. Like, like for instance, right? Like, uh, my girl is a social worker. Sometimes I try out jokes on her and she'll tell me like, Ooh, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> but she was like, Oh no, that's inappropriate or that's offensive. If I tell her and that's the first thing she says, then it's not a good joke, but I'll tell her a joke. She'll laugh. And then be like, oh, that's inappropriate. I'm like, nope, you laugh first. <laughs> the most important part, it was funny. So you understood where it came from. It might come off as offensive just on the surface level. but like a social level. Yeah, level. but it, it it's it's meant to to peel back that surface layer to like reveal mm-hmm. the hypocrisy of that what- That veneer exactly. of, uh, of social normality that's, you know, underneath we're all- just animals, uh, really. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. That, that kind of leads to the next question, which is, do you believe that comedy is art? And and I'll preface that by just sort of jumping on top of what you said, Terry, like literally whittling down sentences, like set up punchline. This is like this mm-hmm. thing that you're mm-hmm. creating as a joke. If we say no, are we done? <laughs> <laughs> For one, yes, absolutely. And two, I think it's one of the more underrated or underappreciated art forms or not considered art to a lot of people. But comedy is hard. Probably comedy is probably one of the hardest art forms to do. Not only is the fact that it's vulnerable Mm -hmm. because you have to get on stage. And if you're not making people laugh, you are not like you're not (laughs) doing your job. Right. So it's one of the most vulnerables, but it's also one of the most difficult things to kind of like whittle those things down that places a mirror on society that people communicately. It might not be a real word, but (laughs) it is. is Uh, Okay. (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, can laugh together about. But also, like, like I tell people, you know, comedy is very difficult, not only in the sense of vulnerability, but to be able to craft those things. You would consider a writer, you would consider a poet, sure. artist, and it's the, it's the same sentiment. It's the so same sentiment. Would you say that comedy is to art as cheerleading is to sports? No. <laughs> no, 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 Wait, wait, no, Katie, I, I really want you to follow that up. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> But that, that was a great question. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I think it um, com- comedy actually allows us to, tr- to time travel. You can find a joke that Shakespeare made just as funny as the day it was written. If the context is right and the delivery is right, it's a performance, it's curated, it's contextualized. All of those things are, you know, part of the definition of art. And um, you get a very immediate response, mm. positive or negative. And you can, <laughs> you can sit and, you know, stare at a painting for a while and kind of go, hmm, not sure this really speaks to me. And you can, uh, but with comedy, it either lands or it doesn't. It, or it doesn't, so yeah. So it's extremely immediate. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not like other art forms in some ways, but it is uh, in other ways too. Absolutely. And I think we have no problem saying a line of Shakespeare is art 
and la- and and saying that it's comedy you know so why we have trouble defining contemporary comedy as art maybe is because of our own discomfort with what we find funny or not and what we find absurd in ourselves absolutely yeah. well and- i mean you would consider an actor or an artist because in your giving that performance like mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's a lot that goes into that well of, of good actors right mm-hmm. like so it's sort of that same thing as a combination of writing and performance that all bring mm-hmm. those things together. And one thing that we've been able to see, speaking of like crafting an art, is because Terry hosts our open mic weekly, you almost get to see the evolution of a joke in real life. You get to see it. You get to see the stuff that doesn't, you know, hit quite as <laughs> Sketches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's instantly they see, like, they, right. Yeah, y'all legit see everything raw because like uh, a lot of the material that I've even in my repertoire is like, came from every event that we've done. Like I'm freestyling, so it's like, oh, that didn't land, that didn't land. Kind of the unfinished oh, product. Yeah, yes. exactly. And then like later I'll make polish it up for a different crowd. But like like you said, it's the you'll see the evolution of it. When you did your dad jokes, because the, the dad joke event was the, one of the first ones we did with you. And I remember your whole you know, your whole dad jokes kind of routine and you actually brought it back the other day <laughs> and getting to see it kind of polished and it's like, oh wow, it's been like Wait, seven she months. said kind of. Yeah, no, I, was like, I haven't done those jokes in so long. It was yeah. uh, kind of like a, let's fill us some, yeah, some yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was but, like, I haven't used these in a while. Let's see if they still work. They do. <laughs> they do. Um, you can see evidence of jokes that go all the way back to like the medieval times. Um, there's Actually, even earlier. Even earlier. My husband is a, a scholar of um, Roman and Greek period and uh, we we will we're nerds like this but we'll sometimes laugh hysterically <laughs> at stuff that was written on a wall in like Pompeii or something that is uh, the classiest oh, yes, thing yes. I've ever heard in my life <laughs> <laughs> I just outed myself as a token nerd I think we should incorporate that into the next like, comedy yeah, night yeah. Uh, just see, show like, slides yeah, like they're watching like hieroglyphics and they're like oh that's hilarious <laughs> it's just like an L and I they're used um, I forget in which uh, um, what culture it was, I, I believe it was Roman, where they would have pieces like really thick pieces of like uh, tinfoil and they would scratch. Like, Tinfoil's maybe a wee bit later. <laughs> <laughs> or no, maybe it was lead. I don't know. Probably lead. Oh, yeah. it could be thin lead. Yeah. <laughs> they would like scratch curses of people and they were like usually oh, yes. jokes. And, and those like, are they, hilarious they found sometimes. Them, like, they would throw uh, them in fountains yeah. and yes, stuff. Yes, they would throw yeah. them in fountains and you wouldn't find <laughs> like them for like pennies in. a thousand years. <laughs> Almost like the like early time so, voodoo dolls, like saying like bad yeah, stuff about like, people and throwing them into a Romulus fountain. is the ugliest guy I ever saw. Yes, may may his head burst with boils and you know all his toes fall off. Or that something is like that. awful. That is comedy gold. <laughs> you should try that one on Monday night, Terry. I was thinking a way to clean it up. I'm trying to keep it clean. I was like, oh man, had so many punch ups, but they're all dirty. <laughs> and this is family friendly. No, uh, yeah, no, no. We're keeping it PG in here. I don't think I've cursed once. No, you haven't. I'm proud of you. This wine hasn't kicked in yet. <laughs> I keep thinking now that we're talking about things that are kind of sad and funny, and it, it it makes me think of that movie Groundhog's Day. You know how like that movie was hilarious, but the more you, the older you are when you watch it, you realize like how tragic that movie actually <laughs> wow, is. That's funny because I was just thinking of that movie today too. Uh, Independent. Independently. Independently. Uh, in my brain. 
And that's the reason why Bill Murray and uh, what's his name aren't Harold even. Ramis. Yeah, they're not even. They well, they're not well, friends Harold anymore. Harold Ramis Yeah, but they were not friends after that movie because Harold won, wanted to keep the thing strictly comedy, yeah. and Bill Murray wanted to make it more of a tragedy mm. and yeah. more like dark. And I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Bill Murray's character like kills himself, like, and I think I read somewhere where they estimated he lived like seventy six years of. Groundhog's Day over and over and over again and the layers of like yeah it's funny but also it's pretty tragic at the same Wait, time. Wait that movie goes like in the universe that it's in he, he lived thir- 76 yeah, years on the same they, day? They estimate, I would he, kill myself too. Right? I'm pretty <laughs> sure that is actually the plot of Inception <laughs> that they lived there for so long they did kill themselves. There's something really important about how close comedy and tragedy are to each other. Absolutely. They are flip sides of the same coin. Yeah. And that same thing can either reduce us to tears or to helpless laughter depending how we treat it when the truth hurts tell a joke <laughs> i wrote that on my notes hashtag katie said it uh, hashtag katie said it um i want to take it to something a little bit in the news which is i know you've seen it the banana art where oh. the banana is taped to the wall i'm so doing that to our walls absolutely <laughs> do 10 they sold for hundred twenty thousand dollars. Like variety of fruit absolutely <laughs> so salad taped to the wall I think we're gonna, i'm gonna tape idea. i'm gonna tape a peach and an eggplant to a wall next to each other. Art. Oh, social commentary right there. <laughs> well, so Boom, I thought, nobody what steal would my that stuff. Mean? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna call it Netflix and chill. You've been on t- <laughs> you've been on Tinder way too long, Terry. Hey yo, chill, 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 chill. Cut that out. <laughs> So, okay, so I, I was actually really happy that this banana art thing happened because I was like, this is the perfect topic yeah. for this podcast because, um, so the name of the artwork was actually called The Comedian. And oh, I didn't know that was the title. Yeah, okay. it's called Comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sold for $120,000 yeah. and then was immediately eaten <laughs> by a performance artist. And so like the gallery's founder commented on it and he said that bananas are a symbol of global trade, a double entendre, and as well as a classic device for humor so it was literally and and slipping on the banana exactly as well as the you know shape thing absolutely so it's it's literally a social commentary (laughs) (laughs) i don't get it (laughs) it's literally a social commentary maybe i don't know maybe once you sell it for one hundred twenty they're like oh let's make this relevant but it it, either saying that it's a thing for global commerce it's funny like it's all these different layers it says something about tomorrow this is this dies exactly, you know, and then we're gonna you eat can't it. Keep it right. Well, and I then, didn't realize it was eaten by a performance artist. Yeah, yeah. So that and, makes it even better. And, uh, yeah, I think that makes it part of the. That's mm-hmm. it's part of the whole. But the whole thing, thing is, show. it still Banksy, exists. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just the like whole, the Banksy mm-hmm. thing where oh the the shredder the, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, turned on a shredder yeah. So ironically, apparently the owners who bought it are going to replace the banana every two days. I do that in my fruit bowl. Whoa, 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 whoa. You paid a hundred and twenty thousand dollars exactly to replace yeah. a banana, and to have the right to place it. Or, I guess. Like, what stops me from just going to table banana? We on my should wall do that right now. Right well, now. Provenance it's of the, the banana. Yeah, I mean, knockoffs of these bananas right? are going to be. You know, like I got the real banana. <laughs> you know, like this is it. That's, yeah, that's 
gonna become a all them, all them counterfeit bananas. My question is the tape. Obviously, the tape is also going to have to be yeah replaced. be replaced. All that you're replacing the tape and the banana every two days. So it's just an idea. That's what I'm saying. Like whoa, now that that that's a that's a good <laughs> topic to bring up. And I want to ask you this, being like a more all encompassing art. We should say he's fa- he's facing yeah. me at this point. <laughs> Direct eye contact because is being it, made. It, it, I think it speaks to like what makes art art because you quoted whatever a critic stated that that art piece was supposed to mean mm-hmm. uh to the layman we don't get it <laughs> but how do you make that leap from oh my god it's so genius because bananas mean this and tape means this and if you put it here at this angle that's what he's trying to say and oh my god he's a genius nah dude he's just a a, a monkey that threw a banana <laughs> against the wall hey you gotta stuck. say he managed to get one hundred twenty thousand yeah. dollars for a genius. banana he, he literally threw genius. things against the, the wall to see what's stuck he got one hundred twenty thousand dollars from it did y'all see that the Waco Cha, um, they they taped up one of their tees to the wall and they're like, this, we're starting the bid at $120,000. This, this seems like a situation where, uh, where we got an English teacher involved, where someone did a piece of art and perhaps just didn't finish it. And an English teacher walked by looking for deeper meaning in the situation and said, oh my goodness, well, that this, this clearly Profound, must, be a, yeah. must be a commentary on, on global trade and, and a transient's <laughs> life and, and all this kind of stuff. Let me tell you something let me tell you something if my kids came home with a banana tape to like a construction paper it's like this was my art project it's not making a refrigerator it's not making a refrigerator it might make a refrigerator in a different kind of context it's going inside the refrigerator it's not and then you're gonna eat it on the front. so here's the thing we're all talking about it yeah that's, that's true really, that's and exactly we're true. all talking about what happened to it how it came to be what it means and the absurdity of that that's what makes it art i love that interesting interesting and like you said what makes it art and people talk about it but are we context. talking about it because like is is there like a gatekeeper context of art especially in that realm because it's like you almost think like the viral like internet sense of it it kind of has like a, a say in art these days so the reality is if i taped a banana to my office wall <laughs> It would not have that same global impact. It wouldn't have that impact, yeah. So there's partly the artist that did it, and I'm trying to remember the name of the artist. It's Maurizio Catalan. There we go. And so now we're all all remembering (laughs) that name. So um, he will have cultivated um, his artistic persona and identity over a long time to get to that point where he is invited to Art Basel to tape a banana to the wall and so that in itself is a story and a journey that allows him to have that platform Mm. just like in comedy if i tell a joke it's not the same as when terry tells a joke because he is a professional (laughs) or if you told one of terry's jokes (laughs) in the exact words that That would be amazing It would work with the British Asher. You do it on the radio, people just think you're Idris Elba. (laughs) (laughs) But that whole, you know, the managing of the process, the story Mm -hmm. behind, the context, all those things are part of what, that's part of what makes comedy art as well, because it's not just about telling a joke. Absolutely, absolutely. It's like the context, social commentary, all those things combined. Like it's about who you are. Yeah, it's like and yeah. how you got there too. Well, and it's funny you say that because um, I've heard the discussion on the difference between a comic and a comedian. Mm. Uh, and but I thought one was a book, but. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's good. That's good. So the difference is that Fiona's a comedian. <laughs> I was about to say, Fiona's got jokes. Well, it's it's uh, in the context that I heard it was a comic is somebody who can be funny. I may be messing this all up. A comic can be somebody who could be funny. A comedian has a funny story to tell. Maybe that I'm I could be. We could Google it. <laughs> yeah, I'm messing that all up. But that brings it back to what is the role of all of this in Waco right now? Because Absolutely. we are a community in such flux and change and trying to define our identity. And I think curating a lot of really uh, rapid change and growth and going deep and going broad at the same time. Yeah. And so I think the role of art and I think the role of comedy are really essential to that because Waco's identity has been dictated by things that were not of Waco's making for the longest time. Um, we, we joke sometimes in our office that it has been something of a nexus for disaster. But that means that the definition of what Waco means to the outside world has been dictated by things that were fundamentally tragic. And we get to change that narrative. Obviously, Magnolia helps to change that narrative yeah, too. Definitely. But this is part of that changing the narrative. Sorry, there's not a funny punchline. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, I think that's a really good that's a really good segue to talk yeah. about how comedy starts a social conversation about things in Waco. Terry had a, a very popular thing that happened here in Waco recently. He had a shirt that said Magnolia ain't Waco. <laughs> oh, and I, saw, I saw that shirt. Yeah, that was <laughs> so me, guys. That was, that was Terry. However, a lot of people were if you didn't read the news article that he participated in to yeah. talk about it. Multiple he, news articles. Mul oh, sorry. Google me, son. <laughs> you can Google Terry. He also had counterfeiters. However, if you didn't read the news articles, you would take it for face value yeah. and just, you know, oh, this guy hates Magnolia. No. It wasn't and then he literally says that right at the beginning. He's like, no, it's just to start a conversation about, mm -hmm. you know, what is absolutely. Waco? Absolutely. What is Waco? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The thing was, it was like, I've heard that sentiment echoed by a lot of people, right? And my, me being a comedian or, or me being in that realm of like trying to entertain and also merchandise myself because we're all trying to make money out here let's be honest hey, like it's it's revenue generation we have the creative waco office. classes uh that teach uh artist entrepreneurship i just want to plug that for you all right yes, there we go i've been attending some one of hey, those appreciate we that. try to get this money baby what do you think we're doing yes. this here for anyway sponsor us please yes <laughs> in, in a way to merchandise a sentiment that i felt a lot of people um felt like somebody referred to me as tongue-in-cheek Mm -hmm. which I, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, probably. But a very like, um, in a way to get people's attention, you have to be sometimes controversial. Sure. Not for the point of being controversial, just for the fact of shock value. But you have to, it. yeah, mm -hmm. if you have the context behind it, shock value may be needed to start that conversation. And it, it lit like a match. And I didn't realize how impactful that would actually be. That was your banana taped to the wall. It was. It was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was your banana. <laughs> But it, like you said, like it wasn't a sentiment of like, oh, I hate you guys. It was like, no, this is what's going on. To be honest with you, we see gentrification happening across America. In Waco, I would say that the sentiment is that you are the personification of that. And these are what people feel. I know that because there was such a divisive response. People loved it mm -hmm. and then people hated it. I was a little bit like, I don't know where I'm, if I pull up here, people are like, oh man, that was great. I appreciate what you're doing. And some people are like, hmm. <laughs> just like, hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like, it, it was like a, a very mixed uh, response. But 
I think you need that, especially in, you know, art is very like, it has to get you to, like you just mm-hmm. said, like it has to get you to get talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when I was in, in grad school, I uh, went to art school and I remember we had a discussion about, and I don't know the name of the, the art piece or the artist off the top of my head, but you may be familiar with it where the, uh, it's like Jesus or uh, like a Jesus figure. Oh, the piss and the, and the, mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. There we go. And we talked about I don't know if that. I'm allowed to say that on this. That was the <laughs> name of the piece. Yeah. But it was that. And it was like, you know, what makes this art? Is it, you know, the shock value? Is it people found it so offensive, mm-hmm. but it was making a statement. And we had that whole discussion. And yet we have no trouble talking about body and blood when it comes to. Oh, um, yeah, that's interesting. Know, and uh, that was considered very, very shocking in mm-hmm, the first century exactly, world. Absolutely, absolutely. To the same, to a similar degree, you know, these are these are taboo bodily fluids. I think that when any time something evokes such strong emotions on both sides, it's worth having a conversation about. Absolutely. If somebody feels they're all the way over here, like, oh, I hate that, or, oh, I'm 100% on board with that, you know, obviously, okay, we need to sit at a table and have a conversation. What is causing us to feel this way? Absolutely. And I feel like, especially in like the news, and again, I don't get political on here, but like when you you have so many people feeling so many strong emotions, Okay, what's the problem? What's the yeah. root issue here? I bet it's not something that we're all talking about. Absolutely. Well, and it kind of points to a kind of tribalism, which I think um, maybe characterizes contemporary society. We all mm. kind of band with our tribe mm-hmm. for whatever the issue happens to be. And we're not going to get anywhere if we dig our feet in and refuse to budge. We only get somewhere if we're prepared to meet somewhere if we find a point of connectivity that's going back to what is it that's important about art and about comedy it's about finding those points of connection now those points of connection may divide us but if if they are points of connection where we say there are some things that we think we believe in common that we can all kind of rally around then then we can make progress And now, we interrupt our regularly scheduled podcast for another fireside chat with Tyler Rambo. Someone asked us when we were younger to pinpoint potential defining life moments that would likely be suggestions like SAT scores, the job that we get, or buying a home. But as I look back, none of those define me as a person, how I make decisions, how I interact with others, or how I really got to where I am today. I'm going to take all of you on an absurd journey through what I thought were seemingly normal next life steps that as I look back were anything but. And as it turns out, these moments that I gave little to no thought would go on to be the most defining. Enjoy. A buddy of mine was going through a very difficult time and he invited another lifelong friend of ours to meet up with him in Colorado for New Year's Eve. This was my sophomore year of college. I had been doing a lot of drug studies during the uh, summer months or any time that there was a lot of time where I could actually go and check into those. But when I could not do those, I ended up falling backwards into a job at Old Navy. It was terrible, but it was a lot of fun also. So we go to Colorado to see our friend and needless to say, again, he was going through a pretty rough 
patch in the life. And he was there a little bit, but he also kind of left us hanging. Um, he would go MIA on us and, and would just kind of check out. And so we ended up stealing his little hatchback car that he had at the time to go on our own little adventure. So we take this hatchback car. We try to go up to pay a visit to the folks at NORAD. That did not go very well. We also tried to do a bunch of donuts in the snow. Ended up throwing one of his little rims on his car and... To make up for this transgression, we went to Walmart. LaCharles Sprewell, if you guys remember him, had come out with a thing called spinners for rims. It was all the rage back then. So we had these plastic spinners that we put all over his car and just totally blinged it out for him. And on the way there, I had talked to a friend and I said, hey, you know, I I think I need to transfer schools. I need to, I really enjoyed my time uh, where I'm at, but I need to go somewhere else. And so we started talking about it and he had lived in Hawaii before that. So I said, have you ever given any thought to going to school in Hawaii? Well, I've never been there. I've never gone, but it sounds wonderful. Uh, is there any way that you could sell me on this? You know, we've got a lot of time in the car. It didn't take but more than five minutes to have me completely sold on going there, much to the chagrin of my father. But also, on the same trip, he had told me that he was leaving Tulsa. He had been living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he was going to be... Uh, right when we got back from this trip, packing up everything, and he was going to be hitting the road and moving to Florida. So I said, well, how soon are, do you do you have to leave? He said, I was going to pack up the next day and, and basically ship out. And I said, well, I have two days that I have to go work at Old Navy back in Austin. Do you think that maybe you could wait a couple of days? I will absolutely road trip with you from Tulsa to Florida. It sounds like fun if you'll fly me back from Florida to um, to Austin. He said, yeah, that sounds great. I would actually really love the company if you would come with me. That sounds awesome. I said, okay, great. So on those two days back that I was back home in Austin, I had this lunch break of sorts. And so I went to go next door to the grocery store and I got some fried chicken. And, and as I was going over there, I saw this old man and he was decked out in leather. He just look grizzled guy was playing some blues and I said that's the kind of guy that I want to go sit next to for a little while while I you know have my my lunch break so I get the chicken I come back and I sit down with this guy and he's playing blues I gave him the last two dollars and we get to talking he says his name is Roger Pierce and I said Roger I don't know what it is but I have this feeling that I'm going to come into a guitar here real soon is there any way that you give lessons he said yeah yeah, man, I give lessons. Here, take my card. So I had to check my judgment for a second because I was thinking that maybe he was an urban camper um, there for a hot second. But he gives me this card, and it has a phone number and email address. The guy's super professional as, as far as I was concerned. He had a card. So I said, all right, Roger, I'm going to give you a call here real shortly. I, I, I can tell. I can feel it. So I'll be giving you a shout whenever I get back. I'm going on this trip, though. I go on this trip, and I go to a, a friend of ours, another friend, found out that I was going to Tulsa, and she said, I have to meet my dad, my biological father, for the very first time time at a Starbucks halfway between Tulsa and, uh, and Austin. I will drive you if you will just go with me to this first encounter with my biological father. Some people would, I don't know, maybe feel a little awkward about that. I said, I got a free ride? Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. Let's go to Starbucks. I'll get a latte or whatever. So we go, we meet him. 
It's great. We keep going to Tulsa. While we're there, I had actually showed um, back in Colorado. I'd showed my buddy some of this creative writing stuff, things like the uh, the Scarface candy smuggling thing from the drug studies. I show him some different writing, and, and he shows his dad. And I had also been trying to write songs, but I had recently given up on on writing songs because I didn't play any instruments, and I thought that was kind of silly. But he had seen those nonetheless, and so he shows some of that to his dad. And his dad looks at me and he says, "Do you know how to play music?" And I said, "No." He doesn't say anything. He gets up. He walks away. I don't think anything of it. And he comes back and he has this baby Taylor guitar and he puts it in front of me and he says he hands it to me he says you have one year to learn how to play this this is great what you're writing I, I really enjoy it I think you need to keep up with this I said okay great so I'm thinking about Roger Pierce back home and and how this may have been willed into existence and so uh, needless to say continue on this road trip and I get back and I'm excited because now I've got a guitar and so I give Roger a call give him a call and say hey Roger guess what a couple days ago that guitar that I was telling you that I thought that I was going to get well I got it, it just fell right in my lap. So what do you say about those uh, those guitar lessons? He says, yeah, man. He said, uh, you know, why don't you come to this old used car lot? He said, it's at these cross streets. Do you know that? I said, yeah, I know the one. And he said, all right, we'll come after hours and uh, when it's dark and and, um, and park on the right side of the building and, and honk a couple times, I'll come out and I'll get you. So he said, bring beer also. That'll be your payment. So I said, okay, yeah. Sounds perfectly normal. Yeah, I'll see you at this uh, at this used car lot. So I show up and it's it's really quiet and it's very dark and I honk a couple of times and and Roger doesn't come out. Now, meanwhile, I'm I'm optimistic that maybe Roger actually owns this place and that's that's why he told me to come there. That this wasn't weird at all. So I sit there for a little while, feel a little sketched out. Uh, finally, and and I decided to leave. Well, I give Roger another call and he and he answers and he says, "Oh man, I'm so sorry. If that happens." Park on the right side of the building again, find the last Chevy van on the right, and knock on it. <laughs> so my roommate said, tell us the address. If you don't come back tonight, we'll at least know where to start the search, the manhunt for this. So I said, all right, great. So I take the beer back, have to knock on the van. This guy sits up, and he said, oh, come on in, come on in. I'm like, all right. So I take the beer in. We sit in this old Chevy van in the back. I'm with Roger, and he's playing blues music all night. Doesn't even stop for a second. It's not teaching me anything. It's supposed to be a guitar lesson. All he's doing is drinking my beer. And at one point he says, Hey man, you mind if I uh you mind if I light up this doobie? I said, Roger, that thing's already lit, man. He laughs a little bit and he keeps playing. He says, Yeah, alright. So he's telling me the story about how he was playing with some band, and I'm pretty good with music, but he was playing with some band back in the sixties in San Francisco at this event. It was the best he had ever played. He said he was more coked out of his mind than he had ever been. And he said, I had this outer body experience and I'm in the crowd and I'm watching myself play this solo. It's the best I've ever played. And he says, you know, man, the only time that I've ever gotten a rush like that was from jumping out of a plane. And of course, wanting to have some sort of association, I tell uh, Roger about a time back in the day when I had actually jumped out of a plane too. And he gets real quiet and he leans in and he says, in Nam." I said, no, Roger. No, I did not jump out of a plane in Vietnam. This was actually a skydiving event in San Marcos. I would go back and I would play a couple of times with Roger. Never learned how to play the guitar from him. But that was my introduction into guitar lessons. And um, first time with with a six-string. And now, back to our show. So this is just going to be straightforward. Very simple. I'm just going to give you what's better. I'm going to give you two scenarios. And then we're going to go around and you're going to say which scenario you think is better and why. What's better, you guys, when your bar tab is way lower than expected at the end of the night or when you think all day Saturday that you have a meeting the next day in the middle of the day and then you realize it's actually the following Sunday. Ooh. Think about it. That's deep. Yeah. Well, number one, um, I feel like 
even at 30, I feel like I get really excited when my bar tab is like really lower. Like you think you're about to walk out there with a hundred dollar bar tab because you know, like that's what you do at True Love. And <laughs> it ends up being like $35 and you're like, man, whose tab did they put those drinks on? Who's <laughs> the poor soul. So I'm going to say a delayed meeting is still a meeting. But Ooh. usually if the bar tab is lower than expected, it's because someone has cut you a favor. Mm-hmm. And mm. that means something. It means you've connected. Ooh, they like they are. I, I've had that happen where someone goes, you know what? Those drinks are on the house. As a, as a former bartender, uh, that is exactly what happens <laughs> when... <laughs> When uh, when your bar tab is lower than expected, uh, the the bar says in I'm using heavy air quotes here. Oh, it's on the house. Uh, that is I think that is always the best feeling because, you know, that means that the bartender has said, hey, you know what? I'll take care of this because on the house means the bartender's paying for it or. So now now it's going to make me cry. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's also, a, they could it's be a, waging a bet that the tip will be. No, as I, a, I will also say, yeah, as yes. a, as a former bartender, if your tab is way lower than expected, you better tip. Me you more. have to tip way heavier than expected. Yes, so. as a former bartender, if you had ten uh, Bud Lights, because I was a beer tender, not a bartender. Um, if you had ten Bud Lights and I charged you for five, you better tip me that you got ten. You tip for the ten. You tip for the ten. Well, aren't you just stealing at that <laughs> point? <laughs> Actually, no. No, no, okay. because because bars have built into their pricing yeah. a spill budget, which is why everything costs more around New Year's uh. because uh, they're they're accounting for the amount of free stuff that they're giving away. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when I was a bartender, um, basically. It was kind of unspoken sometimes that you're going to give things away for free. It creates that like connection. You know what I mean? Like, so when somebody that means they're going to come back more, they feel that like sense of, oh, when I go there, I get a good deal. So, hey, guys, let's all go to that bar and let's all, you know, it just kind of creates a relationship about relationship everything yeah not to not to unveil too many trade secrets here but when (laughs) i was so i I spent three years working at a bar and the last year i spent managing the bar so um one of the things one of the perks that we uh had as employees is that you had a shift drink that you could claim um essentially one drink per shift during or preferably after your shift that you could redeem and if uh, if you you could, you know, use it for yourself or give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that was a thing often that if you make a special connection with a bartender that on the house means, oh, this one's my shift drink. I'm going to let one go for tonight. You can have mine. Mm. Wow. Mm. Fiona's like, I got so many of those. <laughs> I'm, I'm crying. I'm weeping. Here. I, don't, I don't get that too often. Uh, Terry, come to the undercroft. Well, think. here's the thing, right? Here's the thing, like in a regular bar, I would never get that. In places I do comedy, I'll get it occasionally, which is always appreciative because that I don't get like. Okay, for one thing, men don't get treated to drinks. Let's just be honest. That's like you're, you're paying for that. Maybe it depends on the bar, though. It depends on the that's why you say I'll you know give what, you a touche. free subscription to my premium Snapchat. No, I'm a, listen, I'm out here trying to start a premium Snapchat, but I can't get no subscribers. You know why? <laughs> value of men's uh, nudes aren't <laughs> the same valued, man. Like it's it's weird. I have a whole conversation about that, but we won't get into it right now. Don't, it's a whole different topic. Don't say gender equality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's interesting because I didn't think of it that way. Because like uh, whenever I go to the bar, I only have like 
two at the most or three at the most. Because I I'm usually have to definitely no more than five. <laughs> Six um, is the absolute max. But um, I've never had that like well, I've, on occasion where I like would go do comedy somewhere in the bartender and be like, oh man, you, this one's on me, and that's always appreciative. But I'm also an introvert, and sometimes like being so uh, out. Like, uh, it's very draining. So when somebody cancels a meeting or delays it, I should say, I'm like, oh my God, thank God, because I didn't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. It's like, it's like when you get ready to go out and you really don't want to go out, and then that friend like texts you, she's like, you know what, I got a headache tonight. Listen, like, yes. do oh, not God. text. If if we haven't gone out by 9.30, it's not happening. <laughs> I'm too old for that, man. Like, you got to get me out of the house by seven, and then I might stay out late, but... If I'm in the bed at 9.30, I'm not going anywhere, man. Wait, are we See, all closet introverts? I am definitely not. No, but I, I when, definitely am not. When when someone cancels a meeting for the, or I find out that a meeting that was going to be supposed to be tomorrow is uh, the next week, it, it doesn't do anything for me because I don't make plans that far out. So <laughs> now all of a sudden I have like a two hour block in my schedule for tomorrow that I don't know what to do. And then the anxiety of, oh, well, now what do I do sets in. So because so you now, have to do something. You exactly. go to Morosa's. So there's a Waco app for that. <laughs> oh, I need I need to start getting on this Waco app. OK, what's better? No one at your family Christmas dinner mentioned one thing that was politically charged or the problematic family member wasn't able to make it this year. I'll was, uh, really... I'll definitely say the first one for sure. I, uh, I so I I spent Thanksgiving with uh, Katie and Jacob, and it was wonderful. Not one political thing. Was there was up. not a single. That was awesome, right? Awkward I think political it's conversation. It was in our house. But be that as it may. Yeah. You know, there was there was there were there was you know you guys. I mean, it was your house, so you guys were there. I don't think that's necessarily should be assumed. You guys were there. <laughs> I was there. You guys had some other family there. You know, vacation in Hawaii. Were, they just left you guys. That's you know, a different there, kind there of awkward. Three, if you're at their house and they're not there. Three generations of people <laughs> oh, there. Multiple families. You had a friend over. Also, there was alcohol involved. There were children running around. Also, children and the alcohol not. They're very separate. Um, <laughs> but yeah, not a single. Uh, awkward political conversation happened and it was a absolutely fantastic Thanksgiving. I will tell you, spoiler alert, there were a lot of varying opinions in that room. Meaning yeah. like if a they lot, had A lot it, of potential traps. A lot of potential traps. We're, we're ready to, to go off to snap. Mm. If you ever go to Thanksgiving at my family's house or like with with my side of the family. Because we were with Jacob's family. Yeah, we were mainly with Jacob's family. Um, my side of the family, particularly on my mom's side of the family, they like to purposefully like try to like lure me in bait. with a they bait. <laughs> yeah, they me. bait and antagonize. They literally will be like, so very charged political opinion. Um, how do you feel about that, Katie? And I just go, mm-hmm. And walk away. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not taking that bait. Mm-hmm. I'm the smart fish in this room. You know, if if they're asking how do you feel about that, your response should be, Well, I'm not sure that feeling is the best way that we should decide political opinions. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm gonna say that in a British accent too. <laughs> I'm sure my Uncle Mike would love that, Jacob. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. You can you can always hit him with the you know, it's it's about striking a balance between, and then literally just put any two things. I'm just gonna have actually bananas and duct tape. I, voice I that use that phrase and just hit. It's like, hold on a second. Here's my response. <laughs> Fiona's response. Was, 
you know, the other way is just just to deflect, say, well, but how do you feel about Brexit? <laughs> no, no, am I laughing? Oh, no lie. No lie. I think I did that. <laughs> the last, I literally brought up Brexit because and they had no opinion. It's not as bad as Brexit. That's always a good response. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, Fiona. I think I brought up Brexit at the last Christmas just to be like, and like the feelings were not very, pol- you know, like polarized. They're just like... Oh, you know, <laughs> Brexit. We're not the only messed up country around. Happily. Terry, what about you? I, I'm going to be, or I never answered this question because I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't, like, I don't think like my family really discusses anything like politically charged. I'm going to be honest with you. Like my holidays are pretty black. Like, you know I mean? there's, no, there's no white people. There's no Asians. So there's it's no exactly Mexicans. Like a Tyler, it's a black Christmas. So it's exactly no, like, like a Tyler Perry yeah, movie. Yeah, there's no, like, difference of, like, political opinion. And I'm probably the only one that dates white girls. So if there's somebody white at a holiday, they're with me. <laughs> and come to think about it, I'm the problematic one in my family. <laughs> You're the drama. So I, I'm the skunkle. What's better? This is very Waco-centric. Someone cuts you off to snag a good spot at the H-E-B parking lot off Bosky, and then immediately you see someone in a way better spot is leaving, and you beat that person that cut you off into the store. Or... I'd like to point out that Terry has fallen out of his chair right now. Literally have. No, that's way too specific. I, I was gonna that's say this is so specific. specific. We didn't know this happened. Wait, 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 start, no, but now wait. Start off with the answer. But now I want to hear I want to hear what the other one is. Yeah. Yes, this one. Or um, I, I believe also happened to us. You forgot you had a meeting with someone and happened to end up at the place and time you agreed to meet that person at. Because I just want to say that is how every meeting that I am at with Keep Waco Loud happens. <laughs> that literally actually happened <laughs> on Saturday. I call I call uh, Travis and I'm like, "Hey, are you coming to the meeting?" He's like, "Um, I'm on the way. Um, where is it at again?" <laughs> I, I'm on the way. Traffic is extremely bad. <laughs> Which is a legitimate excuse in Waco now. That's right. fair. <laughs> exactly. That's fair. It probably sounded like, yeah, I'm uh, on my way. Remind me again real quick where this meeting is supposed to be. Why don't you just tell exactly me where you are? what the conversation went are you, like. Are you on your way? <laughs> and then he admitted that he got a new phone and had not downloaded Slack on his phone because there is a Keep Waco Loud Slack. Group so life hacks on both those things, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, you shop at midnight <laughs> in Walmart. Walmart. Ooh, well, which one? Uh, well, for me, it's the one on Hewitt Drive because okay. that's not too far from our house. Not the best. It's frankly the only time I have I to, to say, actually like... do. And the other is just, just, just hang out in in dichotomy. Half your meetings will be there that's anyway. Exactly that's the point. Most meetings happen at dichotomy. Those are my two life hacks. Just <laughs> oh, that's funny. And then if anyone's like, oh, oh yeah, you're, here, you're like, yep, this is the I, meeting. That is exactly why this I'm is the here. meeting. I'm here for that meeting. I was going to say, I, I don't do a lot of, because I don't do the meeting thing often, but I would say like the parking thing, like that's God telling you like, those guys suck. Like you're, <laughs> you're still great. 
I'm gonna give you an even better park. When yeah, God like closes that. one door, he opens another, right? And it's gonna be a bigger and better door. And you're gonna get that parking spot closer to yeah. the H E B front door. It's like it's like the one right next to the handicap. Yeah. Like you know what I yeah. mean? Like, <laughs> right next to the the cart put back thing. No, that's the so worst it, spot. No, no, because when you come out with your cart, you just put it right there. Yeah, but that's the one that way, people man. like they push the cart towards the cart thing because they don't feel like walking all the way and then the cart slams into your but car. The, the cherry this on is top. why we wonder if comedy is an art form. <laughs> <laughs> the cherry on top is also when you're able to cut them off in the same spot or in the same lane, the uh, checkout lane. It's this like, is why I hate riding in the car with Jake. First world problems, just saying. Well, um, I do want to say thank you so much for everybody for sitting with us. I feel like we had a really good conversation. Um, I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much. Oh, this was thank fun. Thank you, guys. I love you guys. We nah. love you too. Thank Aww. you for everything you do. Keep Wake Aloud, the podcast is produced by Oni Chan Productions. Our theme music is by Fish Hands. If you like what you hear, you should check them out on Bandcamp. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really like us, give us a five-star rating. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or check out our website where you can buy merch or even see some local events coming up. Thanks again for tuning in. This has been a Rogue Media Network podcast.